It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Flagship station of the ECU Pirates. All right, all right. It is to get you to the weekend edition of the uh, Patrick Johnson Show. Thanks for being with us uh, this afternoon. See you, Dom. Have a nice weekend. Hope everybody's going to have a nice weekend. Uh, Philip the Rep Pilkington in the Hizzle. Uh, we've got quite a show. Pirates uh, coming off a uh, 74-66 win against UNCW. Rallied for the seventh time under Mike Schwartz from a double-digit deficit to uh, get the win. We've got a great show planned for you today. Not only do we have uh, that coming up in a little bit, but we've also got uh, the uh, author of the book, Marvin, a Greenville legend. It's uh, stories about the great Marvin Jarman. David Boyd Lee will be in studio with us to talk about uh, the book coming up in just a few minutes. Also uh, happening uh, today, we're going to talk uh, playoffs for uh, the high school football season. The regional finals are tonight, and uh, we'll know after uh, this evening who's going to be in the state championship games. Chris Hughes from Carolina Preps will be with us. Also, the uh, High School Athletic Association voting to uh, have uh, eight... uh, eight classifications starting in the 25-26 school year. So plenty to talk about with uh, Chris Hughes uh, coming up here on the show. But Pilk, here we are, our first weekend uh, without uh, ECU football. After a uh, tough season, there's still a lot of news. I goes breaking it left and right, and we've uh, had it all over the airwaves and uh, the social medias today. And uh, we've also uh, had what I think is probably... uh, a, I wouldn't say maybe a season-saving win, but certainly a badly needed win uh, against a really good UNCW team last night. Yeah, definitely. And this, the nature and what they did it to come from behind just proves how good this team is, especially offensively. You know they're good defensively. That's what they pride themselves on. It hasn't really shown up this year, but it showed up last night, and it showed up down the stretch offensively last night as well. And they went 11 deep last night. No Ezra Sar, and still got a lot of production from guys that maybe whose names not all the Pirate Nation knows. Yeah, uh, really uh, very quietly branded Johnson with a uh, another double-double in uh, his career, and uh, he has now uh, 14 double-doubles in his uh, Pirate career, 18 points and 11 rebounds. Uh, I thought uh, Caleb LeCount was excellent, 5 of 10 from the floor for 11 points. And then obviously, what can you say about uh, Bobby Pettiford Jr.? Uh, Playing really well right now, 8 of 13 from the floor, 3 of 5 from 3, 24 points, a new career high for uh, him. Uh, on a day where, as you mentioned, no Ezra Zar, uh, R.J. Felton didn't play great. He got in foul trouble early and never could really get it going. Brandon Johnson missed uh, time in the first half, considerable time with fouls, uh, as well as uh, time in the second half with uh, getting some treatment where he uh, rolled an ankle a little bit. So all of that uh, to say that uh, Bobby Pettiford kind of came in and saved the day. Uh, you also had Dabunje uh, not have one of his better games, uh, struggled shooting the basketball last night. And UNCW uh, came in. They were number two in the nation in three-point percentage uh, coming into the game last night. Entering uh, the contest, they were at 43.5%, which was number two in the NCAA. Uh, but they were three of 20, I think something like 0 for 16 or 17 before they hit their first 
uh, three-point uh, shot. Uh, 21st, Shaikim Phillips in his return to uh, Pitt County. Of course, he won a state championship at uh, South Central. Uh, and uh, with Dayron Sharp for Chris Cherry's team. And uh, Lewis, uh, the uh, football tight end at ECU, was a member of that uh, state championship team as well, uh, the defensive end, Lewis. And, uh, you know, uh, I was happy for, for Phillips. He played very, very well. Didn't play as well in the second half. White, who's uh, also had a double-double for UNCW, uh, just two points in the second half, and I think that was uh, also a big key. Pirates ended up shooting more free throws than UNCW, and that's kind of surprising, to be uh, quite honest with you. Uh, Pilk, you've got audio from that. We'll do in a pirate report later on. We've got ECU Volleyball, of course, playing uh, the Citadel. That's starting as we speak here on the radio uh, side. So uh, I have some duties with that, the magic of radio, let's just say. And uh, here we are getting ready uh, for uh, ECU and Citadel, and uh, the winner of that will play uh, tomorrow at uh, 6 o'clock for the right to advance to the third round in the uh, uh, National Invitational Volleyball Championships. But, Pilk, you're going to have Pirate Report uh, audio to close the show. Is that uh, is that my understanding? That is true. we got Schwartz, Pettiford, and uh, Caleb LeCount. Okay, very good. Very good. All right, I tell you what, let's get a break. Well, we'll come back. Uh, we'll get uh, David Boyd Lee into our studios. Uh, there's a brand new book here in uh, Greenville uh, that is written, Marvin. And it is uh, Marvin, a Greenville legend. I also got a question, uh, David, for putting a, a Joe DeLoach quote on the back. I mean, come on. No, I'm kidding, of course. Uh, but this is a, a great new book. It's available on Amazon and uh, other places. So uh, we'll talk to him about the book coming up. Stay tuned. The Patrick Johnson Show continues on a Get You to the Weekend edition right after this. We have you covered with all the ECU news and beyond that you need for the drive home. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back uh, in. we got David Boyd Lee with us uh, here. And uh, this is the book, uh, Marvin, A Greenville Legend. And uh, it's what it is, Marvin Jarman, a Greenville legend. Great to see David yeah, Boydley. How are you? you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having Renowned, me. Renowned uh, author and writer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All uh, right. So I, we were talking in the break. You you discussed, you know, you could do a Marvin Jarman book. There was a great article a few years ago that uh, kind yeah. of discussed Marvin's uh, life and his family and how he grew up and all yeah. that. So. Yeah. I don't want to say that had been done because a, a book on it had not been done, right. but a pretty well done article had been done. Right? Oh yeah, that was that. good. That was a really good article. Um, yeah, you know, when I thought about doing the book about him, um, I didn't want it to be a regular old. You know, Marvin was born in Greenville. Right. Marvin went to Rose High. Marvin worked for Greenville Parks and Rec. <laughs> that kind of thing. And you know, everybody's got great Marvin stories. They're so phenomenal and. Um, and uh, there's some funny ones, and there's ones that show how smart he is, and yeah. you know different stuff like that. And so I said, one day I was driving to work, and I just went, I just let people tell their favorite Marvin story. How I mean, how good's that? What a concept! Oh yeah, yeah. Seems like so. I mean, so simple if you think about it. And uh, and uh, you know, everybody loves telling a good Marvin story. You know, and you've got everything in here from uh, Boyd Lee, right? Uh, you've got Randy Phillips. God yeah. bless your heart a on that one. Good storyteller, really yeah. good storyteller. No, Randy's Randy has the gift of uh, gap. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's Ron Butler. There's right. Ronald Vincent. There's right. Scott, uh, Scooter. Brian right. Weingarts. Yeah. Uh, Hawk. Yeah. Hawk Harrison. So I mean, yeah. there's there's all kinds of 
Yeah, well, I would say almost like Greenville Originals talking about the Greenville Original right. in in Marvin. So that was probably easy to convince oh, yeah. people because what, what's cool about the book is every story is a chapter and some yeah. are a page, some right. are two or three, four pages. Right. So, you know, it just depends on, I guess, the length of, of whatever yeah. story. Um, that was, again, I have to imagine the easy part yeah. because everybody has a Marvin right. story. Did you almost have too many stories? Uh, I could have kept going right. easily. I mean, even since we've put it out that, uh, you know, there's folks like, man, I got good Marvin. <laughs> I could almost probably have a second edition. So we could have yeah, a second yeah, version yeah, of this. Yeah, yeah, More Marvin. Yeah. And, um, but, yeah, it was, it was, you know, at a certain point in time, I just had to pull the trigger on it and and uh, and uh, cut it off and, and go with it. Yeah, it's funny when you when you, folks have, you know, good Marvin stories. Like, RV told probably six just back to back to back to back to back, real quick ones. You know, Randy's are a little longer, like you said, right? And um, well, Randy, know, I think sometimes you know he's trying to think about what the yeah, next fact or figure yeah. he's going to exaggerate might be. <laughs> it might be. Well, it, yeah, and then you know some of them. You know, I, I had an app on my phone that you could record yeah. the call. Mm-hmm. So when you tell somebody that you're recording, you know, it, it worries some people, right? You know? And um, you know, but we just get to talking, Marvin. And then eventually Everybody they listen gets. up, and and some of the best quotes and the best stories are ones I don't even think they meant to tell, or you know, there's some really good quotes in there about Marvin and and what he means to people, and uh, you know, every every call may start off with a funny story, but the end of it is how much they love Marvin, right? You know, so it's it's real apparent in the book. David Boyd Lee, um, what is maybe a, a favorite story or two in the book? Um, RV told one about them being in Yankee Stadium and years ago and Clyde King was the Yankee manager and mm-hmm. he's down on the field and he sees Marvin out of the crowd and yells, Marvin Jarman, what are you doing here? <laughs> and then they ask him afterwards, like, Marvin, how do you know him? He's like, well, we've, we've talked. <laughs> you know, and uh, there's all kind of ones. The one about the cheeseburger, not liking uh, how the hamburgers taste. So, yeah, ordered cheeseburger without cheese is good. And uh, there's one about... Uh, uh, that Clay Medlin told uh-huh. about uh, Marvin. Yeah, I forgot Clay's got a yeah. couple stories. In Marvin there. walking to the uh, baseball game. They're playing West Carteret, and the coach pulls up in the bus beside Marvin on the other side of town. Yeah. So, Marvin, you going to the game? Yeah. So, we get on the bus. We'll take you over to Guy Smith. And Marvin said, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't get on the bus with him. He'd rather he, walk. He, he didn't want to be seen. Because he knew RV and yeah. Clay and them would give him a hard time about <laughs> riding in on the bus with West Carter. I mean, West uh Craven, yeah, or Carteret, Carteret, yeah, yeah. that's funny. Yeah, um, you could do a whole story too of people who've picked up Marvin oh, while yeah. he's walking around town, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah. I mean we've all done that yeah. two or three times at least. Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, you, you're not taking him anywhere crazy because he's always going kind of the same place. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, it's a good story. You know, you could catch up with Marvin while you're driving him that uh, ten or fifteen <laughs> minutes. Uh, and Marvin probably walks as much as anybody no, no doubt. in the history of the city. <laughs> um, we were talking about this, too, uh, during our our break uh, when you were, were getting you set up here on the set. And, you know, Joe DeLoach says Greenville's known for three things, Bees Barbecue, Baseball, and Marvin. Anywhere I go in the state or really kind of in the region, among the things, if you, you know, people say you're from Greenville oh. or you tell people you're from Greenville or you have a connection to Greenville, you know, certainly barbecue, East Carolina, right. Right. baseball, 
but inevitably, <laughs> it's Mar- I mean, really, Marvin oh, yeah. has kind of a statewide yeah. presence and 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 name. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if there's anybody from maybe now Mr. Beast, but I don't know if there's anybody yeah. from Greenville that just more people across the state yeah. know of know. or knowing. And it's been that way for a long time. Yeah, I mean that's the crazy thing about it. I mean, I'm 55. So, I mean, you <laughs> yeah. know, that's 50 years I've known him. Right. And it's been that way forever and ever. Did, did uh, you, you know, we've interviewed Marvin countless times on the radio. And Marvin, you ask him a question on radio and he'll just shake his head or not, you know, <laughs> nod his head or, or whatever. Uh, but, you know, we got a few, we got a lot of words out of him a few years ago when we had RV in the studio, which was, uh, which was pretty good. Did you, did, how was, what was his reaction to the so, book? So, when I decided to do the book, I went over there and ate with them at Cubby's one day. Yeah. On a Tuesday, I think it was. And RV said, uh, you know, I'd been running it by RV and, and Clay and Weingarts, you know, for the most part. And uh, RV said, uh, David, tell Marvin why you're here. And he was eating a cheeseburger, you know. And I said, Marvin, I'm going to write a book about you. Uh-huh. And uh, he said, yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, uh, I'm going to let your, uh, I'm gonna let all your friends tell stories about you. Is that okay? And he said, Yeah. Yeah, he said somebody tried to write a book about me before, didn't work out, <laughs> and he went back to eating. So I was like, "Well, that's the green light there." So let's get after it, you know. And you got the first one. Yep, yep. Um, what are what are some of your favorite? Mar- I mean, just not from the book, but your favorite Marvin stories. I just, you know, I, I just remember growing up and being around Elm Street. Um, you know, I've kind of wrote in the beginning in there that. You know, my first vivid memory of him is my buddy Scott Davis and I were playing tennis when we were younger at Elm Street. I went back for a lob and about ran into Marvin. (laughs) And, you know, it was like, oh, hey, Marvin. And he was picking up probably the one piece of paper that had blown up the fence in the whole park. And, you know, we called it a do-over and went back to playing. And, you know, we're 12, 13-year-old kids. That was part of Elm Street. Yeah. This was Marvin. And I Marvin. think a lot of folks feel that way. And I remember, you know, I was around J.C. Park and Elm Street a lot, you know, with my dad. And, and on the Greenville Parks and Rec. And he was always around. And everybody was always excited to see him. And, you know, and and he was just one of their favorite people. And he's always had that good vibe about him. Um, you know, my kids got to start playing against, you know, they played at Wilson Fike and they started playing Rose and right. baseball or whatever. And, you know, it meant a lot to us for Marvin to see, you know, my kid play. I mean, it's kind of validation, yeah. you know, if Marvin, Marvin yeah, I, sees I guess play. you think about it, there's, genera- there's probably three, at least oh, three yeah. generations yeah. Oh, yeah. play. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. Wow. And my kids didn't understand it until they did. Right. You know? yeah. I mean, you know, he'd go over in the dugout and shake their hand before the game or whatever. <laughs> they started thinking that was cool and they were special because, you know, that's what he does. Yeah. And uh, so it was pretty neat. It is uh, Marvin, a Greenville legend by David Boyd Lee. Uh, I'll hold the book up uh, again here. Uh, so you, it's available on Amazon. Right. And uh, that's probably the, the easiest way to go yeah. about. Uh, yeah. Right uh, now, we're going to try to get it to some places here in Greenville. Some stores so, before the yeah, holidays. We're just that. getting going at, you know, getting after it. So, uh, it, really fun, kind of easy uh, read. And uh, like I said, these are just these are stories. These yep. are people telling them uh, their own words about uh, Marvin German. Was there anybody that you wanted to talk to about Marvin that you just weren't able to maybe get for whatever reason? Well. The one thing I'm feeling bad about is Brian Bailey and I talked yeah. early on, and I was just working out the app on the phone, 
you know, to, 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 you know, recording folks and everything. And we talked for a while. And, uh, so I got ready to transcribe it and it was like seven and a half minutes of silence. So I didn't hit the right button or something like that. <laughs> and then we couldn't hook up here in the end and right. everything. And then I was at the hot stove banquet in, uh, Wilson a couple of weeks ago. And I, you know, I've been trying to, uh, hopefully talk to Brian and he came up to, uh, record Coach Whitfield. He was yeah. getting an award. Yeah. And he was, and I was up at the front, and he was, he was like right there in front of me. I said, "Man, there's Brian. I'm still trying to talk to talk to him." So I looked for him afterwards, and he'd already left. Yeah. And um, I, w- I wish, I wish that seven minutes and fifty eight seconds right. wasn't gone. And uh, you know, so that, I think he would have been a good, uh, good one to have in there. I think um, there's enough, uh, as you said, stories you probably left on the cutting room floor, so oh, to speak. Yeah. And then you have people like Brian Bailey and other yeah. people. I mean, other athletes at, at Rose. Oh, yeah. That you could just do a whole second. Yeah, I'll probably keep a list of folk, folks like, man, I got the best Marvel yeah. story. And <laughs> we decide to do another one, we'll knock it out, you know. What, uh, you know, like you said, he's Marvin kind of, Marvin Jarman we're, we're talking about here, if you don't know. And, and if you don't, you should get the book for sure. And then it'll, it'll, it'll quantify just how important Marvin is. But, uh, when you, you know, kind of look at how, again, he's, you, you told the story about your kids. Yeah. Just the different generations that he's touched. Right. Uh, you know, and, I, you know, I just think his story and the stories about him are, are, are so unique. Yeah. They, they really are. Uh, yeah. And, you know, you think about if you're around youth and high school sports around different communities, there's always somebody in the community. Yeah. That kind of is that person that represents yeah. the, and that would be Marvin here, and there's others in other communities. So, uh, this is pretty good. I, I know he's excited about. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I won't. I haven't seen him since Tuesday when it came out. So oh, okay. I won't. Uh, I know RV and them have told him it was happening, and uh, and going to get him a book, and you know, so I need to see him, and we're going to try to have a book signing um, okay. around his birthday in January okay. at Elm Street, and uh, so that would be. Uh, you know, if you already have your book, and you come by and get Marvin right. to sign it. And um, if you don't have one, pick one up then. And then hopefully what we're going to do um, with Greenville Parks and Rec, we're going to do something more at uh, Elm Street with right. proceeds and, and do something for Marvin. we got some ideas. And okay. I'm going to meet with Don Octagon uh, next week, actually. And, you know, we got to see how it does and what kind of money we're looking at and, um, you know, and do something cool at, cool at Elm Street for Marvin. I know he's already got the – Marvin's convenience, you know, store out there right. in the field, but you know, we might we might do something else for him too. That know. alone, you can yeah. do a whole story on Mar- a whole book on Marvin's convenience store. You <laughs> really right. could. It's pretty amazing. Um, you know, as you uh, again look at it, uh, what is the the and, and, and I'm sure some of this is in here, but you know, this is geared a lot towards, as you say, Elm Street and that kind. But I mean, yeah. the Rose records of. Yeah. Never missed a basketball oh, game yeah. in X amount of years, and and you know yeah. gets all worried when sports start to cross yeah. over because can he make all the games and all? Yeah. He's that's pretty remarkable too. Yeah, when I've, you know I've talked to Weingarts and and Ronald and uh, and uh, Don about doing that book signing, and uh, you know Weingarts and RV first thing they out of their mouth was better do it at lunch on that Friday because Rose and Conley are playing Friday <laughs> night and Marvin will skip it to go to the ball game so. You know, uh, so you got to keep that in mind. But yeah, it's a, it's amazing what he's you know all the games. I remember him. You know, he was our basket. He was our free throw coach. 
you know, when I played at Rose and, and we ended every practice with him shooting a free throw. If he made it, we didn't have to run suicides. If he missed it, we had to run more and we got to give him grief and then run a couple more suicides. <laughs> nobody, you know, nobody cared. But he's, he's been at the front of every bus for however long. God, he tells a story about, you know, back before GPS, they'd be out in the middle of nowhere going to a baseball game and Marvin would be asleep in the front seat and they'd come to a four-way stop and not know which way to go and Marvin and he'd wake up and go, is this where we're turning? Next right. And he'd go back to sleep and he was always right, you know. So, I mean, there's this, well, and, it's and, just amazing. And the other thing that's amazing about him, uh, David, is that he knows he could tell you about an athlete for the oppo- a Rose athlete, but even some opposing athletes yep, yep. from like 40 Oh yeah, forty-five years ago. I'm pretty sure if I said, Marvin, how, how many points did I score against Northern Nash when I was a junior? He'd probably say seven. Yeah, and he'd probably be right. Right. You know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. There's just he, he. I mean, his recall is crazy. Yeah. This is uh, amazing. Again, it's got great stories from uh, all kinds of people. Marvin, uh, Greenville legend. Uh, Amazon.com. Love the uh, rose green with the. Uh, the, the, the rose yeah. light blue there. That's a nice touch <laughs> as well. And uh, this is available, uh, again, at Amazon. So yeah. and that'll be available in Greenville. It was just released this week. So I'm glad we were able to get you on, David. Uh, best of luck with this. You have a Thank couple you. other books or another one that you've written and one in the works, I guess. Yeah, well, I wrote one just kind of for myself, you know, a couple years back. And it's called Every Moment Counts. Um, it's just columns I've written and, and Wilson for the paper and, and for a recreation magazine. Um, just anything that comes to mind, you know, and people seem to like them. So I put them together in a book. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I sold them <laughs> basically out of my car. You know, anybody right. want one, I'd send them one or whatever. And, uh, you know, so it's been some years. I've got about 160 or so columns. So I think now that I have a little more better clue, Probably going to do a second edition of okay. that and uh, market it a little better. <laughs> other than, oh, yeah, you know, I'll send you one. And, right. And, um, you know, it's just some a hobby that I like. I do at night and I've enjoyed and, uh, you know, something something past the time. This is a great uh, concept, too, just stories about Mar. It, it really is a, a fabulous concept. Uh, great to see you. Thank you for coming. Yeah, in. We no really appreciate it. All right. Uh, we're going to talk uh, the high school uh, football uh, playoffs. It is uh, regional final Friday, and uh, Chris Hughes from Carolina Preps is going to join us. So we'll talk to him next here on the Patrick Johnson Show. We are. We are. We are. Riding shotgun with you on the drive home. It's showtime. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Okay, uh, welcome back. Uh, We are uh, here with you on this uh, Get You to the Weekend Football Friday edition of the Patrick Johnson Show as... uh, it is a championship weekend for all the uh, college conferences, uh, including the American tomorrow. They'll have coverage at uh, 3 on ESPN Plus uh, ahead of uh, Tulane and SMU. And that game will air on ABC uh, tomorrow from uh, New Orleans. So we'll see who will be representing the uh, American in a possible New Year's Six Bowl situation. All right, uh, we go to the telephone lines now where our great friend Chris Hughes, Carolina Preps, uh, joins us uh, here. He just had a birthday, so happy birthday, Chris. And uh, great to talk to you again. Hope you're well, buddy. I'm doing great. Appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for the well wishes. And uh, always great to be on here talking some high school football with you, my man. Yeah, got a lot to talk about. I guess uh, we'll kind of work from the 1As on up because uh, some of these uh, teams – 
that are in the neighborhood uh, are, uh, you know, included in this. Uh, and that's the 1A East. Tarboro, here we go. Knock me over with a feather. Tarboro is uh, back in the uh, regional final. Uh, they will play the number two seed in the 1A East tonight uh, at 7. West Columbus. So uh, the Vikings and West Columbus, the winner there gets the winner of Mount Airy and Robbinsville. Uh, how do you, well, you know, obviously a great Jeff Craddock, a great season as always for Tarboro. And uh, I would think being at home, the, the Vikings are the prohibitive favorite tonight. But uh, break it down for us, Chris. Well, I think it's a slim favorite. I do believe that there's a favorite. Um, you know, Jeff Craddock, his resume speaks for itself. You know, you look at all the the amounts of championships and regional finals appearances that he's got uh, under the cap in that entire Tarboro program. You know, when you talk about excellence in North Carolina, you certainly have to put that program up there. Uh, but, you know, I think that this is a game that could be a little bit of a trouble spot for Tarboro. Um, West Columbus uh, is, you know, they've been solid all year long. Uh, very few chinks in that armor. They've got a defensive lineman that can just totally eat up uh, offensive linemen and create havoc there in the box for the Tarboro running game. Uh, so I think that this is going to be a tough game. And, you know, you got to look back to last week. I had a feeling, and I predicted it on my uh, Talking Prep show, that I thought East Bladen had enough to give Tarboro a run. And, you know, you look back in that 20-13 to 13 game, and I think it could be a similar, uh, similar outcome tonight. Although, with that being said, you know, Jeff Craddock, you know, that entire staff over there, that's some of the best of the best coaches. I think that they've got one of the best staffs collectively in the state. You know, I think that they will find a way uh, to get victorious, but it, it's not going to be without a fight. Uh, who do you see them playing out of the West or the winner of that playing out of the West? Well, I've had the opportunity to see both of the teams uh, in the West. I've seen both Robbinsville and I was at the Mount Airy game last week. Uh, both of them are really good. Uh, Robbinsville may be one of the biggest teams up front in the state. Um, they've got one of the best running backs in the state in Cutler Adams. Uh, but I, I just think this Mount Airy team is a little bit too thorough from top to bottom. I don't see very many chinks in the armor. Uh, they've got a running back that can go the distance on any play. They've got a couple of little skill players here and there. Uh, they're just really good, hard-nosed football players. Uh, you know, Mount Airy, I think, is coming in on a 20, maybe a 26-game winning streak. Uh, I think they're going to find a way to get it done, but going up to Robbinsville, you know, that's a very tough stadium, Big Oak Stadium up there on the Tennessee border. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a great game tonight, but uh, it's going to be, I think Mount Airy finds a way to get it done. CarolinaPreps.com uh, founder is Chris Hughes. He's with us here. Uh, in the 2A East, uh, this is exciting. Northeastern and Clinton, both teams are, are number one. Clinton, a historical power, a return to form for the Dark Horses, and Northeastern has had one of the better teams in uh, recent uh, years. So uh, that's the 2A East tonight. Who do you like? Well, I know that both of those teams are, are phenomenal. I have seen Northeastern in the playoffs. I watched them a few weeks ago against Princeton. Uh, they can throw the ball for miles. Uh, I think they have a hard stop in the run. And, you know, uh, Clinton can put together a really good running attack. I think that could spell some trouble for Northeastern. But I also thought Northeastern would struggle a little bit last week with uh, Weipel. I'm not surprised they won. But, you know, Northeastern, you know, they're, they're, they're extremely fast, really athletic, really tall great-looking team, but I think that if Clint can get up there and rough them up in the in the box and, and make things tough on them, I think that they could create havoc. Uh, I do think Clint finds a way to win the game. And then Reedsville's on the other side of the bracket hosting Shelby. Shelby's uh, been in the title game here in recent years, but uh, I guess you got to go with Reedsville. That's another one of those... Uh... Well, 
between the two, they both got about a hundred state championships between them. Maybe <laughs> that, that's, that's joking a little bit. I think it's more along the lines of about fifty, but still, that's a lot that's of state championships. For yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to be a great game. Um, I don't think this is your typical Reedsville team. I don't think that they're quite as loaded okay. as they've been in the recent years. A new coach, Eric Teague, son of Hall of Fame coach Jimmy Teague. Um, so you know the program is really a strong program, and and they're they're a really good team. Uh, Shelby's a team, you know, they lost some games in the early part of the season, but let's look at who they lost to: AC Reynolds, Close, Crest, Kings Mountain. I mean, you're talking about some of the best of the best teams. Uh, so I think that this um, Shelby team, uh, they're they're really surging of late. I think that they're on a roll. I think they might be able to get it done. All right, uh, and one other of the true East teams that's playing uh, tonight in the 3A East is Northern Nash. They're a 13 seed, but they're 13-1. and one. Uh, They will be at number two, 71st. Northern Nash with an impressive win and really dominated the second half in eliminating Havelock last week. Uh, winner of that in the 3A gets the 3A West winner, which will be Dudley or Hickory. Uh, so uh, what do you make of this uh, Northern Nash at 71st matchup? Yeah, um, let's look back to the semifinals last year. You know, that was a one-point game. Uh, that was probably one of the most exciting games in all of the 2022 season. Uh, I think that it's going to be, you know, deja vu again. I think it's going to go down the wire, as did the game last year. Um, I, I tend to say that 71st might have the advantage just because, you know, it's got the revenge factor. Uh, such a good team, so physical, so well-coached with Deron McLaurin. Uh, but, you know, I've got to tip my cap to – to Coach Ferris and that Northern Nash team, you know, they, you want to talk about a resilient team. They yeah. had their back against the wall several times this year and really grabbed victory out of the clinches of defeat because they, they've just found a way to win tough games and big games on the road, as we mentioned, like the Havelock game. Uh, so you like 71st against two next week? I think Dudley. I think Dudley's okay. the absolute best team in the entire state. And I'm I'm starting to think Dudley might even be the best team all classifications. Uh, that that team is just enormous. They're fast. They're so well coached. That Dudley team, uh, they they are running on all cylinders. All right, four uh, A. You got Gibbons and Hoggard in the East and the West. Independence, blast from the past, and number one seed Weddington. Uh, who do you have in the four A next week from both sides? I think that Weddington's going to find a way to get it done, but it's going to be a battle tonight. That independence team is on a roll. Uh, you know, former, the last time they won a state championship, look who the quarterback was, uh, yeah. DJ. Um, y- you know, he, he, he was the coach back then, and, you know, that team just seems to be on a roll. Uh, that Cardinal Gibbons team, they, they have the defense, I think, to get it done. Defense wins championships. Uh, I think they can find a way to win on the road tonight. Uh, you know, they lost a couple early in the season, but that defense is not the same defense it was playing in August and September. They had a lot of injuries early in the year. Um, I think Coach Stephen Wright's got them rolling. All right. Chris Hughes, founder of Carolina Preps, on with us here. The uh, High School Athletic Association uh, vote to expand from four classifications to eight. Now, this is up from the seven that I think was agreed upon uh, if not earlier this year, year before uh, the year before this year, um, so they're going eight classifications. What do we need to read into this from uh, our friends at the NCHSAA, Chris? Well, I was not able to attend the meetings this week. I had some other conflicts, uh, but you know, really, what I take is that it's almost the same as what we had. You know, you had the four classifications yeah. that were subdivided. Uh, I think this is really going back to that, with the exception that it will be for all all sports instead of just football subdivisions. Um, you, you know, I am of the mindset that four was way too few. I thought sure. four 
that we have right now makes it very unfair for a lot of the different schools, whether in the biggest of the big class and, and definitely in the one eight. So I think the eight will definitely give a lot more parity and a lot more opportunity uh, for schools to compete, I think, on a more fair basis. I still think that eight might be a little bit too yeah. many. I was really happy with the six model or maybe seven. Uh, but you know what? I think that it's a positive step forward and much better than what we have. Hey, Chris, it's always great to talk to you. We appreciate it. And, uh, again, a belated happy birthday to you. Uh, maybe we'll see you next week at the uh, championships, and uh, we'll catch up very, very soon. Thank you, as always. Thank you. Can't wait to see you again. All right, there he goes. Chris Hughes with us uh, here. All right, uh, Patrick Johnson Show. I'm headed over to uh, Minji's for the uh, volleyball, and uh, Philip the Ref Pilkington is going to bring you the stunning conclusion of the show with a pirate report coming up for the radio audience on the uh, other side. Back at it Monday on Talk of the Town at 7 and uh, back at it uh, on the Patrick Johnson Show Monday at uh, 5 o'clock. We're also going uh, to see you uh, on ESPN Plus tomorrow for the uh, final of the Greenville pod in the uh, Volleyball Invitational Tournament. All right, have a great and safe weekend, everybody. Pilk will get you home the rest of the way when we come back on the Patrick Johnson Show. Now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Welcome back in here to our Friday edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. I'm Philip Pilkington. I'll be taking you home along with uh, Joey Football, make a little guest appearance on the Patrick Johnson Show. What's up, Joey Football? You know, I was told yesterday I'm now Joey Basketball because it's crossover season. I don't know if uh, the good gods of radio have deemed this, but I am now referred to as Joey Basketball basketball in some spheres so uh, we get a lot to talk about though uh Kaysen has the title of basketball sorry you're out that that's fair but Kaysen's also the one that told me i was now joey basketball so oh well, if he wants to pass the title then to you he so i, do I don't know i okay. well we'll see how it plays out i do all it all right. well hey if bobby or if uh i'm reading bobby's name Kaysen <laughs> says it then then i'm good with it so now we are going to move on to pirate basketball who got the victory last night over uncw and uh the Pirate crowd was very electric last night, as they always are. And uh, Coach Schwartz talked about the home court advantage. We just talked about that out in, in radio. Is that in terms of the atmosphere? You know, football's got a twelfth man. You know, basketball has a sixth man. And tonight, this Coliseum, the, the fans, the students—they were the sixth man for us. And what happens is, is the beautiful chemistry of basketball becomes they feed off our players' energy, and then our players feed off their energy. And that's those special three words in, in college basketball, home court advantage, and, and it was there tonight. All right, Joe, you were there. I was uh, stuck in the radio booth. What right. were your thoughts on the uh, the crowd? Because it sounded pretty good. We actually had some uh, words go over the radio that are <laughs> one of the no-nos of uh, language going over the radio because of how passionate the fans were. Yeah, it was definitely one of the louder experiences of Minji's. Uh, probably comparing it, I'd say it was Memphis when uh, Penny Hardaway brought Imani Bates in here and that whole run around um obviously the houston game would have been but that was the COVID days when when dooley's team knocked them off so there was no crowd but that's what you expect it's that's what minji's does that's how they kind of bring in the atmosphere they feed off of it and you heard how schwartz put it i mean it's the beautiful chemistry of it it, it felt like there was a sixth pirate on the court last night you could see that there were some issues communicating defensively for uncw on some sets some balls went over their head that they were trying to get the double pass to 
you could definitely tell there was a lot more to it than what had originally been thought, especially considering that the crowd was so minimal in theory to what some of the bigger arenas they've played in. I mean, it's a tournament team that's played in however many stadiums at this point, but Minji's felt like a legitimate basketball arena last night. Yeah, you know, you brought up the fact that there were some communication issues from the Seahawks. That was brought up as well by Darren Vaughn and Michael Perry. It seemed like they're those kind of final few possessions. It was a lot more hand signals, kind of like what you have to do on the road in a football game yeah. as opposed to verbalizing their calls. So uh, looking ahead here, um, Coach talked about Bobby Pettiford Jr., who had 24 points last night on 8 of 16, or 8 of 13, excuse me, shooting. He was also at 3 of 5 from downtown. I think everyone else thought that he wasn't a scorer. This coaching staff knew he could score the basketball and knew he could shoot the basketball. And that's why we said all summer when he gets healthy, you'll see a guy that's a really good shooter and he can score the basketball. And so... Um, been proud of Bobby. He's an absolute warrior uh, all the time, what he does every day. And um, I think tonight he did, he did it again. And I think this is just the tip of the iceberg for him. He's been a pleasant surprise. I knew he was going to be a darn good basketball player. Yeah. But when we looked at this roster at the beginning of the year, I didn't expect him to lead the team in scoring very often. And he's done it these last few games. Uh, he's a career high. I mean, 24 points. You look at what he did. I mean, four rebounds. A guy at that height, and some of those can just be ricochets. But he he's on the boards. And it was very interesting. All we heard about all offseason was he's a facilitator. He's a pass-first guy. He doesn't like to go in and try and take the ball and, and go to the hole. He's going to kick it out. He's going to try and play on the wing a little bit, play in the backcourt as opposed to trying to go drive for those baskets. He did it all. He had two or three running floaters uh, off his right foot, probably off the top of the glass. That I mean, And I give credit to UNCW. They tried to defend it. They tried to do all these different things with guys in the restricted area, and it just didn't work out. And Bobby just had a night as far as scoring and and getting the ball to the places it should be. And in the stat sheet, he's only going to have, I think, two or one, yeah, one or two assists, I think it was, is what he finishes with. But every single play Bobby was involved on, there was probably a scoring opportunity or chance. And if some of those fall, he could have looked at a double-double last night easily. Well, part of the reason I think he didn't have as many assists was it was kind of a different lineup we saw where he and Caleb LeCount yeah. played a lot together. That's something we had not seen a whole heck of a lot of, but I thought they, they complement each other very well. I really like that one-two punch, and it's very odd to say that when you go point guard, point guard, especially because how ball-heavy that LeCount was last year in some of those situations and trying to set up the offense, but they play really well in tandem, and they spoke very highly of each other, and I'm... I'm sure you've heard the cuts where they talk about like they have each other's backs and they know that in certain situations they can do different things defensively or offensively because both of them have a similar skill set. So I really like LeCount being able to play at the top of the pick and roll and then Bobby being on the wing or vice versa. And then LeCount had a great night too. I mean, he had a career high 11 points. He played 23 minutes. He did everything he had to do. I do want to get into LeCount's career high, but starting with the uh, both those guys being on the floor together, Bobby Pettiford talked about that after the game. Uh, I just think, you know, we just we have a few games, you know, kind of under us now. Me and K1, we battle all practice and guard each other 94 feet. So we just make each other better. And when we get to going together, you see we get hyped and start doing our handshake. We know we little, but once K1 get going, he think he's 6'5", and he start, okay. he start barking and, you know, he started hitting shots. And our energy was just, you know, just good. And we just like to play off each other. And I do, you know, you kind of elaborate or mentioned there, Joe, but I would like you to elaborate on a little mm-hmm. more if you could about just Caleb's game scoring. And, you know, he's a guy who's shown it in spurts, but I thought last night his game really came together offensively. 
he shot 50% from the field, and, and that's a pretty impressive thing considering that normally he's not the guy they go to in those situations. And when you've got, first off, you've got a guy like Brandon Johnson is on the field. He commands all the attention of any possible defensive slide or zone set, and he finishes with a double-double as well, and we'll get to that a little bit. Caleb LeCount just had the confidence. He came off the pick and roll, and they kept playing underneath it, and he shot everything he could, and he took all those opportunities. He was not scared of the moment, and he knew that if he put the ball up, there was a chance for a Callum, a Bayala, I mean, Bourgeois even at one point, all on the glass, just with so much length, and all of them taking that chance and getting the ball and then kicking it back out. You, you have the confidence to shoot as a shooter, and he just did. We're going to hear uh, from Caleb now about his career high, and then you and I, I do want to talk about Callum Richards, Sierra Malonga, Logan, just kind of uh, the depth from this team. They did play 11 last night, despite mm-hmm. no Ezra Saar, which I think worried a lot of Pirate fans going into the game when they found out he wasn't dressed. But here is Caleb on his uh, career high, and then we'll get it more into that. Well, I see they, they kept going under the ball screen, and I got to shoot it. You got to shoot it. Like, no matter what, you have to have to respect your game at some point. That makes the offense move when they respect your jumper. So I just, in a, actually, in a, the halftime, I was like, probably like one foot four or something like that. And I was really like, damn, I can't get a shot. Like, mm. So <laughs> one of my managers and my teammates, that one of my quiet teammates told me, like, K1, like, keep shooting the ball. Like, Come on, bro. And if he's telling me I got to shoot the ball, then I have to keep shooting the ball. So I just stayed confident in my teammates. They kept, they was there for me. So I just, you see what happened. And that'll wrap it up for our sound bites for today. But, uh, you know, I thought it was interesting to see Callum get the start. I thought he played well. No points, but he had five boards. Three of those were offensive rebounds. And uh, he played a little aggressive, got in a little foul trouble, cost him some minutes. He only played 14 minutes due to that foul trouble. He ended up fouling out with about six minutes left in the game. But I love the aggression of the young freshmen. Sometimes you see these guys go out there and get their first start, and they – Look a little wide-eyed. I didn't think Callum Richard looked that uh, last night. Callum Richard looked like every bit of what a center is supposed to be, and when he gets an offseason in the weight room and a chance to kind of beef up, he'll he'll be fine as far as playing underneath. He didn't look overmatched by any means. He's a six foot eleven freshman. I mean, he's a local kid. He's from North Carolina. He knows how North Carolina basketball kind of goes and, and what that means. And with so many different kind of instances and foreign players on this team, there could be a blending of styles. It can be a little bit of an issue, so to speak, but Callum looked the part. I mean, he was aggressive. He was underneath the board. He threw his weight around, and those are the things you have to do as a center, especially in this league or in any of these kind of bigger leagues like what UNCW has done in the past, and he played the way he's supposed to play. I mean, he threw his elbows a couple times, got a couple of contested boards, and don't get me started on the foul trouble. I mean, the foul trouble was initiated immediately as soon as he stepped on the floor. They decided that Callum Richards or, yeah, Callum Richard was going to foul out. And that that's its own argument for another day. I don't know if you want to get into that. I don't know how you want to play that. But Callum didn't do a lot of things that would have had a normal center foul out. So well, what I was going to say, Joe, before you got onto that was um – not that we can't hit on more parts, but I know you wanted to talk about the officiating. We have just under five minutes left in the show, so I was going to sit back, mute my mic, and just let you go. What Thoughts on the officiating, Joe, despite the 74-66 victory from the Pirates? You know, Chuck Jones, KB Burdett, and Brent Hampton, I, I, I don't know what is going on. I don't know if it was somebody slipping you some money so the over would hit. I don't know if it was something that kind of caused you to just feel like maybe you had to take away the show. 
There was a call probably, I want to say about eight minutes left in the second half. Hampton blows the whistle four different times to call a single blocking foul. One. Four different times blows the whistle, looks to the crowd as if they didn't get the reaction he wanted, like he was a WWE wrestler looking for a pop after a big like turnbuckle throw. And he turned and, are you not entertained like Leonidas in 300? I, I just don't get it. And it was probably one of the most inefficient officiated games that I've ever seen. You've got guys who are going up into contact. Anytime you go up into contact, they've always taught you as a big man especially. If you go up vertically, you don't initiate the contact. They come into you and they fall off. You're protecting your restricted area. It's not a foul. And if it is, it's one of those ones we have to call. They called four or five where UNCW went up into contact, bounced back off, and then shot after the fact. And they called it the shooting motion. They they handed them a ton of foul shots. I mean, it was just some of the most ridiculous calls I've seen in some instances. Uh, the offensive goaltending one would be the one that most people were a little or defensive goaltending, was a little shaky, but Sear goes up. Sear gets it completely. The ball is a little bit on the way down, so I could see how that call goes. So that's the only one I really understand. But Brent Hampton, this is not his first time, might I add, doing this. If you look up Brent Hampton on the Internet, you will immediately find some form of bad call, some form of, official issues, some form of uh, bias towards another team. And, and it, was, it was very evident that he wanted the game to be about him and not the other way around. So I, I don't know if that's an American thing. I don't know if that was because I don't know how it goes with basketball. I know with football, it's the home team has the refs based on the conference. So I don't know what crew he's on, but that it was evident last night that he was not calling the game fair. There was definitely some kind of slight to it, and it felt that way the whole night. Well, Joe, I'm going to kind of give you the side from an official standpoint. Please. Somebody who has officiated. Um, when you get into these games in the preseason or in the pregame huddle, you can kind of tell, like, who's played before just by their mindset. Right. And who thinks like a player as well as knows the rules like an official and who is out there to just be power hungry and get there, you know, to make the show about them. At the end of the day, people are not paying money to see you. They're paying money to see the players and the best players. So quit fouling guys out unless they deserve it. And here's the other thing. And uh, this is not all officials, but if you were not popular in high school and this is your way of getting back at the jocks <laughs> is calling all these darn fouls. And my biggest thing was, and I, this is something I got in trouble for a lot. Now I was bad. I needed to get better at it, but I let too much go chirping wise. But yeah. I think some officials get tech happy or unsportsmanlike conduct happy like you have to remember the emotions of the players at the game and that's what i was very fortunate with my mentor where i started doing flag football and he said look at the end of a game if there is a flag pull on a fourth down on a playoff game right next to the line to gain whoever the call doesn't go their way they're going to come out and say bleep you and you just have to take it right. because the emotions of the players, you have to remember the emotions of the players in those scenarios. So I had a very fortunate mentor in that, but some of these guys are just out there to get guys, and it's very, very clear. So I don't know. Any final thoughts as we've got about 50 seconds left in the show, Joe? ECU versus the refs always has been, always will be. Seems to be a tale as old as time. Hey, man, ECU versus the world, that is the uh, patented phrase of Holt Naylor's and one Joseph Sampson. 
Well, we do thank you all for tuning in on the Friday edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. We'd like to thank our guest today, Chris Hughes, as well as David Boyd Lee and the P-Man and Joey Football for filling in. Thank you to Pirate Nation for tuning in. Have a great rest of your weekend. Have a good weekend off as there is no Pirate Athletics. Well, there's a women's basketball game tomorrow, but no basketball, men's basketball or football. So have a great rest of your weekend. Pirate Nation, we will talk to you on Monday. Thank you.